Today's podcast is brought to you by Ryan, a leading global tax service and software provider that helps companies manage and minimize property taxes from acquisition to disposition and all points in between. As the firm with the most local market property tax professionals across the country, Ryan has experience in nearly every jurisdiction, unmatched by any other national, regional, or local provider. Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. David, how are you, man? I am hanging in there. We are now in um, March again, somehow. <laughs> We're back in March. Uh, so I can't believe I've been you know, doing this, uh, that we've been, rec- been recording the podcast from my home office for a year now. It's kind of a, kind of a, kind of crazy to think about it in those terms where everybody's having that same kind of realization at this point that this, you know, that it's March again. Yeah. When, when the uh, merry-go-round came around full swing, I thought it would look different, but it really doesn't. It's still the <laughs> same thing going around. All right. <laughs> well, you, you brought on a guest today, right? That's correct. Uh, today we have with us Mark Rose, who's the chairman and CEO of Avis and Young. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Love being here, Eric. So um, we, we were just talking, obviously, just talking about it being a year, and you know, it's, it's, uh, we've had a lot of conversations on this podcast about you know what it's just been like dealing with you know how the industry has dealt with everything. Um, so. I just wanted to start with from your perspective is first of all, if you could just give folks, you know, for anybody that ha- you know, has not heard of your firm, I, I imagine most people are familiar, but just, you know, give it if, for, for those that haven't, if you just tell us, you know, a, a bit about, about Avis and Young um, and then, you know, let's just talk a bit about some of the high level things that, that you're seeing. So um, we can kind of go from there. Not a problem. <clears throat> So I'm Mark Rose, uh, and as we already said, I'm Chairman and CEO of Avis & Young. Avis & Young is a global real estate services firm that's a consulting-led and really built off of culture. Uh, we are headquartered all throughout North America, Europe. Uh, we have offices in Asia and uh, really provide the full spectrum of services and investment management to our clients. Now, what, what we're seeing, we all, we all, we all want this to end. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to be back with our people, with our clients. We want to communicate again. We want to commiserate and we want to celebrate. And I really do feel that it's coming. It, it truly is amazing to think that it's a year. I was in London on, on my way to a, you know, a weekend in Paris. Uh, my wife was with me, I'd say, I think it was about March 11th and March 13th. Instead, we hopped on a plane and we came back to the US because things were really starting uh, to, you know, to come apart. And by April 1st, we had shut down offices, told everybody that they could work from home through the end of the year and started to work on how we were going to operate in this environment. And I will tell you, this 
this is one of these opportunities to grow. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it more through your questions here, but 2020 through this period, I think the growth of Avis and Young, as I believe the growth of the real estate industry, moved faster and further than it ever has in any other period. So there, you know, there are some, you know, there are some silver linings. Yeah, I think it's sort of, again, you know, just the fact that it is a year, it's, it just kind of leads you to think, try to think, you know, back about this whole experience. And like, I was talking with, with Nareet and um, it got me in just some of the way that they like talked about it being from, from like the REIT stock perspective. But I think also just from the, the property sector perspective, these, it's almost like these three phases for this past year. So it started with kind of like this initial shock of like what is going on and and all the REIT stocks kind of fall at the same time and no one really knows what it's going to mean for all the property sectors we don't know what social distancing how it's going to affect anything then after like that initial shock they moved into the the part of the year where okay there were some clear wait you know like industrials doing great you know so so, so they all, all data centers are doing great you know a bunch of sectors that were position not to be affected as much by the social distancing kind of emerge as like the the stars of uh, for lack of a better word of that second phase but then like now we're sort of in this third phase which is the announcement of the vaccination and the beginning of the distribution which now is speeding up fast now we're seeing a lot more optimism about like retail and lodging since that's going to come back and then like but then there started these questions about the office sector you know and like what and and how are we going to given that we all like have now gotten used to doing work from home and remote and like, you know, so there's going to be some hybrid, some blend of that. So it seems like that's still like one of the big questions while we sort of have dealt with these shocks and we've, uh, you know, seen some things that, that did really well. We saw some things that were hurt that have come back, but kind of some of the things are being resolved. Now this question of like, what's going to happen with office space seems like one of the, one of the more unresolved pieces. I don't know if like that sort of jibes with, you know, how you see things and also how your conversations with your clients and, and stakeholders and all that sort of stuff has, has gone. So I just thrown a lot at you, but um, you know, any, any thoughts on that? Well, uh, there were so many questions in that one question that we're going to spend, you know, at least a couple of minutes on this. Uh, you know, <laughs> first things first, having been in this business now for, over 35 years, we have tried to impress upon our clients and our people that cycles or cyclical events aren't necessarily welcome, of course, but they happen. I believe the cyclicality of our industry has been tamed over time. The, you know, the peaks and troughs are, you know, are shorter, but there, there are issues, you know, whether it was the Russian bond default in 1998, whether it was the dot-com implosion or the East Coast, particularly New York 9-11 and its impact on, you know, on the New York uh, real estate markets to the, the, you know, to the financial crisis. These things happen. And the most important thing to understand is that they do they're out of your control until they're not. So you build strategies in order to, you know, to work, you know, to work with them. So 
you had rattled off things like, well, you know, the REIT stocks fell. Of course they do, because the public markets do not love um, surprises. And in, it, in the absence of information, the beginning thought is sell and negativity until you realize that it's not necessary to be negative about everything. We know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So it took a little while for people to get a grip around what the office of the future looks like. I will tell you that one year later, I believe that we're still suffering from clients not believing that they have the knowledge of what the future of office looks like, but they do, you know, they do. And you also mentioned product types, of course, when you have a pandemic and no one's leaving their home and they're ordering online, well, that would tell you that showroom space for retail's down and distribution space and warehousing and last mile is good. So of course those are gonna be positive. Whatever the impact of the pandemic was on multi-res, we're still talking about a planet that's gonna add about 3 billion more people in the next 30 years. And so you have a safety net, there are gonna be more people. Now they may be in different countries, but there may be or will be 3 billion more people on the planet. And that bodes very, very well for the need for housing. When it comes to hospitality, people stop traveling. Therefore, hotels weren't full. That's all normal. I think you're seeing that everybody's getting ramped up for the summer when the vaccinations start to make their way through, positivity hits, there will be a tremendous amount of traveling, not just business, but more importantly, people who had enough of staying in their homes and they just wanna be somewhere. And that's going to lead you to airlines, it's gonna lead you to Airbnbs and, and hotels. The one that you're right, that is a bit of a question mark for people is what what is the future of the office? And the future of the office, I would say is fine, but different. And that means that we do need a place to come to. We do need a place to develop our talent. We do need a place to communicate. We do need a place to house clients, to build strategies. And for all of those reasons, the death of the office is greatly exaggerated. Now, what did COVID allow us to do? COVID allowed us to move from a financial-based, sales-based, how do I present myself, maybe more brand, to an HR-based question. One of the things that Avison Young is doing, we have asked our people to come back to work on April 6th. That is gonna be subject to both physical and mental wellness. If you have anxiety, if you don't wanna get on the tube or the bus, that's fine. If you have arranged for your caregiving, please come in. If you haven't, you know, not a problem, stay home. And, you know, then we also have to be subject to government regulation and restriction, which again, at this point, I think is only going to get better now over time. 
And that conversation really is based on our surveying, interviewing, and taking a strategic view to the HR component of businesses, which are people are emotional. People are human and they need to be dealt with a certain way. I believe that the, you know, Monday through Friday, get in early and leave late, we're probably not going to see that for some time and we may not ever see it again. But we also had the situation where office space all throughout the world was utilized at about 40% occupancy or utilization of the space itself at any given time. Your salespeople might be out or folks did call on clients or work from home then as well. And since no manufacturer would ever run their, you know, their plants at 40% utilization, we've actually been talking about this for decades. Does that reduce the need for space? No. What that does is, is to say, well, let's figure out person by person, service line by service line, city by city, country by country, what are basic guidelines about reimagining the work week? Is it X days in the office? Let's say two out of five. Well, there's your 40% and you're supposed to be in the office all day on a Monday and a Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday might be work from anywhere that you go to hub and spoke. So if you have an office downtown, you'll also have a touchdown center in the burbs where folks don't necessarily need to get on public transportation. And then maybe on the fifth day, you're working from home. That combination is going to look different for different groups, different client sets, different countries. And we want to embrace that because we think that's where it should have gone in the first place. We're actually excited and it, it's very hard to get excited about COVID, especially with all of the loss and pain. But things that we've been talking about for a long time are now in play of getting more strategic. And you know what, you know, think about this. In the past, we had competitors of ours who were talking about complete open plan which was never good for anybody that suffers from anxiety. And there is top talent, extraordinary talent that suffer from anxiety and they, and they never could be an open plan. You had to sort of adjust for them. So a, a far more strategic view to an HR based occupancy plan that one size does not fit all. And you're going to tailor it in terms of your recommendations to clients and what we're going to adopt ourselves this is a really good thing. Yeah, that 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 speaks to me. Um, I can hear. I mean, I've I was never been a big fan of the wholesale adoption of the open office um, layout. I think it, in some ways it just seemed like. I mean, you know, it's got its it's got its pluses for sure. Um, and, but it also seemed to be just in some ways a lot of company. It, it just seemed like there's always a lot of herd mentality with things like where like, okay, well, this is the way we do offices now. So like we either we're doing them cubicles. Now we're going to do open office, but just everybody making that decision and not, and, and not having that part, which I thought you underscored really well about having the strategic conversations around what are the roles people are playing? What does their actual job entail? And therefore how should that, 
factor into the real estate needs or uh, the, the real estate needs and even like whether, you know, what days they should be or should not be in the office. So I, I hear what you're saying, like, it's hard to say that it's exciting, but on the other hand, uh, you know, just because given obviously this, this year has been terrible, but um, on the other hand, I do feel like what you're saying is so right in that this is a very necessary conversation that corporate users, um, that that's overdue. And I think, so I, I guess the, and I think, and obviously I think for a firm like yours, since you are, you know, this is, you're thinking about this 24 hours a day and you guys are, are this is what, you, what your clients are going to, going to need. Um, it's, it, it's, it is, does present like a year where you're, it sounds like there's just going to be a lot for your, for your company to be doing and talking to your clients and, and helping them develop these strategies. From the very first days of the pandemic, this has been the question. The question has been, what do we do? And I think most people went to their business continuity plans, gathered their folks and said safety first. And that was awesome, truly awesome. And we thought that contact virus was a real issue at the start. You're finding out at the end that it's, it was less of an issue and it was really the transmission of the droplets. But every day since we have been asked about what do we do about our space? And like I said, this is a very, it, it, it's a complex topic, but it's a great topic. And the very negative virus and pandemic has allowed us to have a, 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 a far more strategic conversation about what does this look like for you? And there are CFOs who loved bringing space per square foot down to certain levels. And that, and that made sense. There were CEOs who believed that their top talent deserved a certain office environment as part of their recognition and compensation in, in a war for talent. N neither of those things need to go away. The piece that's coming in here is what is terribly overlooked, which is mental wellness. And the fact is that no matter who you are, you don't feel great every day. And if you're lucky, you feel great most days. But there are some days that it's just not working for you. And as we see with the workforce of today, and we believe the workforce of the future, a culture-based approach to you have performance and productivity that is required of you, but with the empathy and the understanding that we're not at our best every single day. I believe that that resonates with talent. And when you structure your company to then walk the talk of giving individuals an opportunity to work from office, work from anywhere, work from home, Again, with an understanding, there are certain jobs that you really do need to be in the office almost full time. And there are other roles that you may not need to come into the office at all, but let's tailor it so that we're developing our young people. We are developing the best information that we possibly can. And that comes through the aggregation of data, which sometimes is something as simple as a conversation and just tailored to your people. 
they deserve that. Our clients deserve that. And people are happier and healthier. And, you know, if you have to ask somebody that's been doing this a long time, I have certainly signed up to culture is going to drive revenues and profits, not financial assets. Are companies that you're talking to making these kind of decisions now, or uh, are, are some of them being very aggressive about like, okay, this is what our office is going to look like as we come out? Or are some of them also um, trying to push that decision off at all? If, if it, it, again, if I, if I had to pigeonhole this with a single answer, I'd say most are trying to push it off. I, I, I think that, that occupancy of space has been dominated by a solution just to extend for a short period of time so that everybody can work with the latest, you know, the latest information. And that, and that makes sense. Will, will, will some clients take less space? Yes. Um, Will some take more? We've seen that. Yes, as well. But we just have to, you know, again, it's overused, but since we all know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know, we're all trying to find out about the parts that we don't know. We, Avis and Young, have a very strong view on what we think this looks like, but it has to match to our client base. Well, it does seem like, you know, we are getting to this point where the pace of vaccinations is picking up. I mean, in the U.S., the the, the announcement that we're going to have enough doses by the end of May, you know, it's still then a few more months of administering those doses. But I mean, we are looking at uh, her, you know, the 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 numbers that you need for herd immunity in this by the you know middle of summer or end of summer, something like that. So it does seem like we are getting to you know the, this is. A, the, there's not a as this is not just like an indefinite process anymore and like we are to the point where where end of pandemic isn't a, isn't a theoretical it's it's an actual so um it does seem like over the next few months uh if companies can't push that decision off then then it will be interesting to see you know how these decisions are getting made and who's making what kinds of announcements and what kind of deals are, are getting done to resolve all this and unfortunately, it's a little all over the board, but it's getting better. There's a client of ours who was an early tech company, a communicator of everybody's going to work from home forever. And we've seen them take down new space. We've seen others demand that their people come back. And then they may answer surveys that they really love avoiding the hour to hour and a half a commute, you know, each way, each day. Everyone is getting their arms around this. This is incredibly normal. The use of technology, though, has changed the game. And it's been there, and it's been there for quite some time. And we have all commented how the real estate industry has been very slow to adopt. But in terms of the ultimate of not wasting a good crisis, the adoption of technology, particularly data aggregation, and transforming an industry that thrived on effectively pocket information, we are now able to aggregate and drive transparency to the point where I think that real estate information in the next 10 years will be 
crowdsourced, it will be perfected and it, and it will be free. And therefore, all of your resources are now going to be interpreting, adding machine learning and artificial intelligence and robotics on top of the collection of data points. And this is one of the most exciting things that I've seen in my career because for too long, the industry has been inefficient because the information has not been shared or has not been transparent. And we specifically are, are working on plans and never stop them during COVID. We, we pushed harder and faster and spent more money in develop the industry's leading data warehouses and all of the applications that sit on top of it. And what this is going to do is allow occupier by occupier to figure out what they need to do in a physical collaborative setting and what can be done in the cloud. And I think there's gonna be an awful lot done in that latter space, but you're still going to need development to occur in person. Yeah, I think that's that's clearly been a pain point for a lot of companies, which is especially when we bring in newer employees, you know, or somebody joining the company, when you wanna get them trained to be part of the culture, you know, like you need, you need to be in person. You also need like those informal interactions outside. And and while we're able to do an awful lot of, you know, video chats and structured meetings and, and things, some of that inform, what I've heard time and again is just that, that some of that informal stuff is what is missed the most, you know, like the, the water cooler conversation for, you know, that, that cliche or whatnot, but like just are passing somebody in the hallway or in, in, in the lunchroom. And, you know, like it's often, something that somebody says in that conversation sparks an idea or, or that's the where people, you know, some of the team building stuff happens. So all that kind of stuff is just, you know, while there are a lot of productive parts of the job that jobs that can be done in, you know, kind of anywhere there, that sort of developing of corporate culture and, and fostering relationships is, doesn't seem like we have a way of, 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 of recreating as well the way that we're working right now. Yes, yes. And yes. Training can be done online. Developing of people cannot. And you, you called it the water cooler talk. I would just say the subtleties of both our physical and emotions and our communication, certain words in certain circumstances deliver a different meaning. And if your team and especially our young people are not there to see it or hear it and basically read through, uh, you know, the nonverbals or, or the verbals, they are not getting developed to, to understand importance, emotion, strategy. And I believe that if everybody moves to online learning in terms of training, that, you know, it's not bad, but you're sub-optimizing your talent base that does need to see and feel what the reactions are to certain, you know, to certain views, to learn from people. And I believe every day that I learn from my peers. I, I learn from the people that, 
work for us. Uh, you know, I learn from people who are walking on the street and it, and it doesn't happen if you're, if you're not listening. And the, really the only way we still know to listen is to be in proximity to people. So taking all the, you know, these kind of insights and, and thoughts, are there specific sort of takeaways for investors who are, who are looking at commercial real estate right now, whether that's specifically the office space or other spaces in terms of what they may want to be doing over the next six, 12 months? Sure. We have a very favorable interest rate environment. So that makes real estate investing fun. We have <laughs> product types that are deemed less desirable. To me, that spells opportunity. As we work with data to figure out the strategies of occupiers, I believe there will be opportunity and arbitrage to figure that out. I think you saw some of the smartest individuals, smartest investors in the world who in April, May, and June had no intention whatsoever of buying any physical property. But when REIT prices fell to 40, 50, 60% discounts on NAV, they were buying REITs because the REITs were gonna come back. Of course they were gonna come back as most of them have because the public markets look to the future. And so, Maybe saying it this way, you know, I'll, you know, I will come back to institutional real estate. But one of the things that I think sits out there as just a great example, there are individuals, it's heart, heartbreaking in the restaurant hospitality business. There's your favorite restaurant on the corner and somebody couldn't make it through because they were asked by their local jurisdiction to shut down and, and they didn't make it. There are people who are now swarming all of the old restaurants and bars that were shut down, they will take them over, they'll sign leases. The start dates will probably be at the end of the year or start of next year. They will buy all of the equipment, the space and the initial kind of branding for nothing. And they will be very, very successful. And I think we have the same issue here that sure, is retail space, you know, is the US over retail? Sure, is the rest of the world over retailed? Probably. Is retail dead? No. So what's the, you know, so what's the pricing look like against your underwriting? Because again, there's going to be opportunity there. One can make an argument that how, how, how much, you know, more or, or how hotter can the industrial markets be? Again, I think it has a long-term ride because there has been a change from showroom shopping to, you know, to, you know, to buying and having things uh, delivered. But, you know, industrial is probably more at a top where retail apartments, office, you know, are sitting more towards the bottom. And, and, and that just spells opportunity. And then against all of that, Rental rates haven't moved that much. Pricing hasn't moved that much. Because of the government intervention and the money that has been put out and regulation saying thou shalt not foreclose, this is a different environment than we have seen before. Right. And so 
what it takes and what I'm really getting to is understanding market by market and product type by product type, there's going to be opportunity everywhere. There will be pain there for sure. There, there, you know, there will be, could be local pain. It could be pain associated, you know, you know, with a portfolio, but there will be opportunity where you can implement strategies. Yeah. And, and then one of the, another point that I've heard people make as well is that the, unlike the great financial crisis are the real estate capital markets are, are pretty solid. So there's financing available, there's equity available. We don't have the same kind of like issues to work through in, in the capital markets themselves. Um, that made part of that cycle. So challenging. There's never been an environment where interest rates have been this low combined with the amount of liquidity out there, let's just talk, for example, M2, there's never been this much liquidity. And no matter what anybody thinks or says, the combination of those, which again, you've seen over the last couple of weeks that people think there's going to be inflation, which clearly you're gonna have growth in GDP, but is there long-term inflation on the horizon? Probably not after we have the comps for 2021 against 2020, but free money. And if, if the Congress puts out, you know, another almost $2 trillion and interest rates stay very low, which they should, that is one heck of an environment to, you know, to be buying real estate. Well, I've taken a good chunk of your time here. So, um, but before I, um, I let you go, I just want to know if there are, you know, are there any other points or messages, um, that you'd like to, to like to that we didn't talk about that you wanted to highlight. I, I would say, you know, I touched on that people still matter, and there are all sorts of reports that technology is going to replace individuals. I've never been more excited about the opportunity for top talent to use technology. It is the absolute focus of our company that we develop our people and we give them the, the, the tools to be consultative, no matter what the traditional service line was, because the aggregation of data and the use of technology that will show itself probably around 2025 when artificial intelligence really works consistently that there are some great, some great things coming and the way that we're going to, you know, to transact and the way that we're going to, you know, implement with our, with our robotic process automation, where, you know, at Avis and Young, we're going to try to have software bots on everyone's desk in this, you know, in this year already, manual tasks are, are going to go away, but you get to redirect your people to analyzing and communicating and doing something with the data, turning it into information, which then becomes a decisionable action. These are very, very exciting times for this. And so really that's the other thing I would add. Great, well, thank you again for, um, you know, that's definitely gonna be interesting to, to watch as well. So I would, we'll look forward for more updates from from your firm and from the industry as to, to, as to how that, that plays out. So maybe you can come back um, on the podcast and give us some, some updates on, on that in, in the future. Sure. It, it would obviously be my pleasure. Well, thank you again and um, um, for, for coming on the show. 
My pleasure. Guys, this was fantastic. Mark, what a great, what a plethora of information that you had. Um, and a lot of encouraging stuff is, is exactly what we need right now. So thank you so much again for being on the show. David, of course, thank you for bringing him on the show. You chose another fantastic guest, bud. <laughs> so I'll that's leave what it we do here. Yeah, that's right. That's what we do here. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening. For everyone at WMRE, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Today's podcast was brought to you by Ryan. Liberating our clients from the burden of being overtaxed, freeing their capital to invest, grow, and thrive.